grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our series uh, based on a book by Greg Finke called Joining Jesus on His Mission. And mission starts with this premise right here. In fact, I would say that I believe that all of our lives are based on this one single truth. And it goes something like this. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. indeed. And it makes all the difference. Because from here on out, our days have meaning, our lives have purpose. Because Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, creator of the world, considered you valuable enough and loved you enough that he died upon a cross for you to save you and then rose from the grave to give you life now and always. Which means this. It means lots of things, actually, but it means this. That Jesus is not just particularly fond of you. That Jesus doesn't just happen to think you're, you're, you're all right. Jesus loves you. Which means his mission was to do anything that he had to do to win you back. Because you don't do that for someone that you're fond of. You know, you don't, you don't die on a cross for someone that you think is just an okay person, right? They, they just swell, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you. He loves you perhaps more than you even love yourself. He loves you more than you love your kids. He loves you more than you love your spouse. He loves you more than you love your best friend. He loves you more than you love your mom and your dad. Jesus loves you more than that. If you can imagine that, Jesus loves you like that. And that's why he died upon a cross for you. But more than that, Jesus rose to the grave for you to give you life now and always. And if that's true, that means also that Jesus Christ is busy doing work today. Jesus is active and working in the lives of those he loves today. Which means Jesus is active and working in your life. But bigger than that, Jesus is active and working in the lives of everyone you know. Jesus is active and loving your neighbor, your friend, your kid, your coworker. Every single person you know Jesus is working in that person's life. Now, you may not be able to see it. You may not be able to see it. There may be absolutely no evidence of it. But Jesus loves that person. The illustration we used last Sunday was like uh, a tree that uh, it, it, like a, it's ready to bloom, right? So it starts with those little tiny flowers, right? It's got the little tiny flowers, and then it gets in, like an orange, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it may not even be ready to pick yet, but finally on that day, it's ready to pick. It's ready, it's ripe. Jesus is active and working in the life of every single person you know. And you may not see the fruits of it yet, but he's working. We know that because we know that Jesus loves your best friend. Jesus loves your next door neighbor. Jesus loves your coworker. Jesus loves every person in your family. Jesus loves like that. And so Jesus is inviting you to join him on his mission. 
Let me restate that. Jesus is inviting you to join him on his mission. Because so often we get it wrong. So often we pray things like, Lord Jesus, please help what I'm doing. Please bless what I'm doing. That's the wrong way to pray. We should be praying, Lord Jesus, help us to bless what you are already doing. Because he's active and working. Because he promises to. He's active and working. He invites you to join him on his mission of what he's already doing. And so in essence, Jesus is inviting us just to ask this question. What are you up to, Jesus? What are you up to? I'm just curious. What are you up to today? Last Sunday, I gave the illustration of, of what it looks like or what it can look like. So as, as some of you were here last Sunday, um, I was in Texas uh, two weeks ago for a conference. And when I was down there, I got a phone call from the Avon Police Department. And they said, um, I understand that Dave and Connie Williamson are, are members of your church and want to let you know their daughter passed away. And we have to tell them. Can you come with us for the death notification? I said, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm in Texas. I can't, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. And you can't wait for me to get back up there tomorrow. So I called Phil and, and Jan and, and Tom and I said, um, I have a really big favor to ask. Can you go and deliver the worst news possible? And they did it. And they didn't do it because they were trained. They didn't do it because they really wanted to. They did it because they loved Dave and Connie. And they didn't want them to hear this news without them being there. And so they did it. And so they, they saw what Jesus was doing. They said, we have to be there. Because that's where Jesus is right now. Because Jesus is present for the cross. And so, Jesus is inviting you to join him on his mission. Jesus is not inviting you to do a ton more work. Jesus is not inviting you to get stressed out. Jesus is not inviting you to um, uh, get overwhelmed. Jesus is not doing that because Jesus happens to love you and doesn't want to do that to you. But he is asking you, inviting you to ask this question. What is he up to today? What is he doing today? He's inviting you to be in a mission of seeking and saving those who don't know Jesus Christ yet and to join him on his mission. It's kind of like this. Um, when Tim, my little, my little boy Tim, was about four or five years old, he had this thing with lawnmowers, right? And so I would mow the lawn. I'd be up there with a lawnmower. It's a push mower. Push the lawnmower. And Tim would have his little bubble mower, and he would follow me. Push the bubble mower. With the bubbles flopping up, you know, and make the rounds, and he'd follow me, you know. And I would say to him, Tim, thank you so much for helping me mow the lawn. And he gets super proud, you know, and he'd, he'd strut around the house in his underoos, you know, and he'd be like, yeah, I mowed the lawn. Jesus is inviting you to join him in his mission like that. 
Not in your underoos. Underoos are optional. <laughs> but let him do the work. Let him do the healing. Let him do the, the comforting. Let him do the work. And Jesus is inviting you to be present in that process. That's it. That's it. There, and now more than ever, mission is critical. Now more than ever. I'm going to show you an illustration that, that shows how things have changed in our world. There's a picture here. I don't know if you can see it. But on the main part of the picture, you'll see a bridge. You see the bridge? What's wrong with the bridge? <laughs> it's a perfectly good bridge in the wrong spot. All right, this is a picture. I got to read this. It's the Choto, Cholo, Choloteca Bridge in Honduras. That's the Choloteca Bridge in Honduras. So, in 1998, Hurricane Mitch slammed into Honduras. And in some parts of the country, they received over six feet of rain. This much water. And all that rain came crashing into the Chotoleca Valley here. So much rain came through that when it passed through, it changed the course of the river. The entire river changed course. It used to go under the bridge, and then it shifted after the hurricane. So here you have a perfectly great bridge in the wrong spot because the river moved. And this is a great illustration of the church in America today. It's perfect. Years ago, with uh, you would, you would go to a community, and you would build a church. And you build a church, and guess what happened? People would come to the church. All the time. It worked all the time. They had, like, data on how many parking spaces you need, and what size church you need to do. If you did X, Y, Z, this would take place. And it happened. All the time. And then, past 10, 20 years, maybe 30, but definitely 10, 20 years, the river moved. The river's moved. 20 years ago, you'd invite your friends to church and they go, okay. How many of you played sports growing up? How many of you played uh, games on Sundays? Yeah, if you're under 30, maybe you did. If you're over 30, you never had a sport on a Sunday morning. Never. Now there are teams in this valley that schedule practices on Easter Sunday. I've seen it. The river changed. It's in a completely different spot. There are communities in, in America that um, are just completely shifted. See, even if you go to like the Bible Belt, and you go to the Bible Belt where everybody goes to church, right? And even in those communities, it's about 20% of the people actually go to church in the Bible Belt where everybody goes. Guess what it is in Eagle County? Throw out a number. 5%. 5%. About 5%. That's pretty generous, actually. 5%. Which means this. The fact that you got up this morning and got dressed and came here makes you weird. 
because 95% of the people around you did not. You got to church this morning, you got dressed, you're looking nice, you're looking fine, your neighbor's in, the, in their window with their coffee and their pajamas going, huh, yeah, they look great. I hope no one died. They look like they're doing, going to a funeral or a wedding. It's an odd time for a wedding. That's weird. Oh, it's Sunday, right? It's weird because the river has changed. And today, if you say, hey, you want to come to church with me? Most of your friends are going to go, I'm good. No, I'm really, I'm good. Thanks, but I'm good. So the fact that you got dressed and came here today makes you a missionary. Congratulations. The river has changed. You are now a missionary. Whether you like it or not, you know why? Because you're here and that makes you weird. Different. Unique. You stand out. I have a friend of mine, he serves a church in Portland, Oregon. And one morning it snowed. And so he got in his car and he drove to church. And he he's, he's works there, right? So he's the pastor and so he first tracks out. It's early Sunday morning. Goes to church, does church, comes back to his uh, housing development area. There's one set of tracks in the snow. He was the only person in the entire housing development area that went to church that morning. That's it. That's America. The river's moved. The river has moved. There are more Lutherans in Ethiopia than the United States. There are more Baptists in a state in the nation of India than they are in the entire United States. There is a Lutheran missionary in New York City from Africa. They're sending missionaries here now. It's true. There are more Christians in China than America. The river has changed. In the past 20 years, millions of Americans stopped going to church and they haven't come back. Millions. The river switched. Now here's the key. They haven't rejected Jesus. They've just rejected his church. But they haven't rejected Jesus. So I'm going to go on a, on a limb here. No, don't, don't shoot me after the service. But I'm going to go on a limb here and say this. People are searching more than ever today. They stop going to church, but that doesn't mean they, have, they stop searching. People are searching like crazy today. They're searching for purpose, and they're searching for meaning, and they're searching for joy, and they're searching for comfort. They're searching everywhere. So I would, I would I'm going to put this out here. Don't, don't shoot me, but I don't put this out here. I think the reason politics today are so contentious is because people are trying to find purpose and meaning in politics because they're not finding it in the church. They're not finding it in Jesus. So they're trying, they're searching for it for anywhere else. They're trying politics. This is left side, this is right side, both sides. And guess what happens when you try to find purpose and meaning in politics? You will lose your mind. You will lose your mind. Because it's not, you're not going to find it there. It's not going to happen. Because politicians, they're sinners. They will let you down. Right? You won't find it there. People are searching, and they're searching for the same stuff. And what they're looking for, 
What they're looking for is what Jesus has already called you to be. Finky writes this. He says, people take note when someone is willing to sacrifice themselves for the good of others. You do that, and you stand out. You're weird when you do that. You're different. People appreciate the opportunity to talk about spiritual questions honestly without manipulation. People are searching for that. People are intrigued by someone who demonstrates grace and wisdom. I was talking with someone, and I said something. They're like, wow, that's really wise. Where did you get that? I'm like, uh, Jesus? <laughs> I've heard of him. I'm like, that's cool. I have too. That's our world today. People are looking for those who demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. They're looking for that. They admire that. People long for authentic community, especially in this valley. They long for authentic community they can trust. They're searching for it. People wonder if an encounter with the living God is possible. They're searching. People are looking for this for everywhere, and most of them no longer believe they can find it in the church. And so, we have to go to them. You have to go to them, because they're not coming here. And most of you in your head just went, ah, crud. Nuts. That sounds like work. And I don't know how to do it. And I don't know what to do. And I haven't been trained. And I'm not, I I couldn't possibly do it. So let me say this. Most of the time, God does his work in spite of me. You want to know why I became a pastor? Because I knew I needed help. I'm a moron. It's true. When, when I was in eighth grade, you know, they vote, they vote like, they didn't vote me most likely to not succeed. But what they did vote me was most likely to end up working in a movie theater. <laughs> And just to show you my state of mind at the time, I thought that was a compliment. It was in the yearbook. I'm like, Dad, look. And my dad put his hands in his pockets and shook his head and walked away, which he did a lot when I was growing up, right? I got into high school. And I'm in high school, and I'm talking with my buddies. I'm like, I think I'm going to be a pastor. And they're like, oh, wait, you're serious? And I said, well, I was. I don't know now. Maybe I'm not. You know? So I go to college, and, uh, and my dad, when he sent me off to college, he's like, son, have a great time. You know, date, get to know lots of girls. But remember, marry someone better than you, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, it should be hard, right? So I met Heather. We started dating. And I thought, I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to ask her to marry me. So I got this great idea. I'm like, everyone asks a girl to marry her by getting down on your knee like that in some romantic place. Right? That's a good way to do it. And I thought, I'm going to do it differently. So I'm going to hang upside down from monkey bars. It's sort of Nebraska. What else are you going to do, right? <laughs> so, which wouldn't be a bad idea, but it was February, and it was cold, and you, know, you don't know cold until you've done cold in Nebraska, because it's just windy, and it cuts right through you. 
And so I'm like, hey, let's go for a walk. And she's like, what's wrong with you? So we go for a walk. We end up at the school playground. And I get up on the monkey bars. I hang upside down. I'm like, maybe, you know, because. And she goes, this is the worst acceptance in all of history. She says, yes, can we go inside? Right, that's how I got her to marry me. Why? Because I'm a moron. So I go to seminary, right? I go to seminary, I take the preaching class. I'm in the preaching class, and the professor has this old overhead projector. He's got my sermon that I just turned in on the overhead projector. And he uses it as an example of how not to write a sermon. But he's got my name covered up with a piece of paper, so that's cool, right? And then he knocks the piece of paper off, so everyone sees my name. Which would have been bad enough, but then he had done it to the class before mine. So my entire class knew, if you want to know how not to write a sermon, talk to Jason. I'm thinking, dude, get a piece of tape. Seriously, I went home, said, Heather, I'm done, I quit. I quit for about a week. Then I came back, because I don't know. It sent me out to my internship <clears throat> and with this church in Denver. And with this church, I had 30 interns before me. 30 of them. They call them vicars, right? And after the end of my internship, this lady walks up to me and she says, Vicar, I've been here for the past 50 years. I've seen every single vicar we've ever had. And of all the vicars, you've improved the most. Better will I? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. They sent me out on my first call at this church, and I had this voters meeting. And if you can imagine this, when they sent me out, imagine this, I was 25 pounds lighter than I am today. I was like, like that, that was me, right? So they sent me out, and they made the pastor take me out for lunch on a regular basis to make sure I was eating and not anorexic, because they're like, oh, he's too skinny, he's too skinny. I was so skinny that um, we had this voters meeting, and it was, kind of, it was really contentious, there's some controversial stuff going on. And after a meeting, this person came up to me and challenged me to a fight. And she was like 60 years old. <laughs> Are you serious? I get one good punch and then run. Because, you know, I may not be big, but I'm fast. Right? I need help. I'm a moron. Believe me, if anyone can, if God can use anyone, if God can use me, he can use you. If God can use me, he can use you. My prayer is that every time you see me standing up here speaking, you go, wow, God can really use anyone. That's amazing. That's true. If God can use me, God can use you. And this is how God can use you. It's really simple. Oh, the slide didn't get saved. It's missing. Okay, here's God, how God can use you. He's going to use you. First of all, he's going to do the hard work. He's going to ask you to do the simple work. And the simple work is just this. Number one, enjoy other people. Just enjoy other people. Just hang out with them. In our text for today, Matthew gets called by Jesus. And what does Matthew do? He throws a party. He throws a party. And Jesus went to the party. People like Jesus. 
And Jesus hung out with people. Jesus partied with people. He didn't party hard, but he partied with people. He, be, he hung out with folks. That's what he did. A lot. So just enjoy being with people. And then secondly, to seek, recognize, respond to what Jesus is already doing in the lives of the people around you. Number three. There is no number three. That's it. That's it. And we know that Jesus is active in the lives of the people around you because he loves them. We know he's active in your life because he loves you. Amen? Amen. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen.